Chapter Five of Living with Our Children by Clara D. Pearson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Motives. Why do we do this or that? Or why do we refuse to do the other? Being mature and busy, it is not often that we consciously weigh our motives. We know instinctively that this venture is not for us because we are too weak, too poor, too much occupied, or too poorly equipped by training or education besides it may be inexpedient for a score of different reasons or it may be wrong or we may know instinctively that the new task calling us is one which for at least one of a score of possible motives we must perform being normal human beings neither neurasthenics nor introspective novelists we decide and go on and the matter is usually a closed incident from that moment we do not realize how much habit has to do with our decisions nor on how many years of experience they are based neither do we often consider how much our elders had to do with the forming of those habits and the shaping of our experiences but when it is our turn to pass on to the next generation what has been done for us we feel peculiarly awkward self-conscious and incompetent our small son asks us why must i do this and we say papa says you must or because mamma wants you to and at once we are perplexed by some new whys papa says you must is papa then just a big strong person to be minded because he is big and strong and his son is not is he to be minded because when children do not mind him they are likely to have unpleasant experiences privileges cancelled punishments received there is perhaps a stage of development when this motive fear must be appealed to but it is the poorest of all possible ones and not to be used if avoidable because mamma wants you to mamma seems to the child to have queer and unreasonable whims most inconvenient to gratify why should her preferences outweigh those of the child whom she professes to love that is the way in which this immature reasoning will run it does not strike him as fair but he loves her and she is really good to him so he makes the concession purely as a personal favor this is better than doing it from fear the hope of a caress is always better than the dread of a spanking for several reasons suppose the answer to the child's first why has been as it too often is what would people think of you if you did that it isn't pretty or nice to do such things that is an appeal to the wish for popularity and we all like to be popular moreover it implies that public opinion is worth taking into account as it often is yet it has at least two disadvantages frequently repeated it is the foundation for self-consciousness and sometimes of hypocrisy if the situation seems to demand some such expedient it were better to couch the answer in different words 
it would disappoint aunt jessie and cousin david and mr and mrs blank if you were to do so i am sure they would expect something better of you and in such a reply is a subtle appeal to the perfectly justifiable longing for the respect of those whom the child respects and loves and who yet stand quite outside of the matter than under discussion you see it is a step higher in its implication or suppose the first why had been answered thus it will make you a great deal of trouble if you do that even if papa and mamma do not punish you things will go wrong with you you will take cold and be ill or you will have an accident on that dangerous hill if you insist on coasting there this is an appeal to self-interest something which we all have to take into the reckoning to some extent as long as we live and which is not evil in itself but only when it is allowed to obscure our interest in others so here we have four possible motives instanced there might be others but these are the most common what is wrong with them they are neither base nor malicious and yet all four reasons are open to criticism and are at best but makeshifts with which to tide over in emergencies until the child can be made to feel the appeal of a higher one analyze them and you will find a flaw in every one a something that leaves a thinking adult vaguely dissatisfied even when he carries his point by using it a motive to satisfy and endure must be one binding on all classes and not merely on a favored few it must have the element of permanence not be valid to-day and invalid to-morrow it must appeal to timid and courageous alike it must operate equally well in solitude or in society it must take an account of the other person as well as the one who makes the decision it should leave one satisfied with a sense of comfortable finality after the decision is made and there is only one motive which will fulfill all these requirements we must teach our children to do right because it is right you think it is not always easy to know what is right not always of course but much easier than most people are willing to admit if they but put aside all other concerns in their endeavor to see their duty our first impression in any matter is usually correct subsequent considerations are usually not always given to finding a way to avoid doing what we secretly know we should do and in any case we are called upon only to do the right as god gives us to see the right if we do this after acquainting ourselves with all the elements of the situation we have done our part and can rest easy whatever the result may be knowing this we should as early as possible lead our children to see the dignity and peace of doing right because it is right there is no other motive so satisfying so unimpeachable so strong lincoln knew this recall his debates with douglas and how he over and over again met arguments as to the inexpediency of abolition 
with declarations as to the impossibility of settling great issues merely as a matter of expediency over and over again he reverted to his great and unanswerable argument that if human slavery were wrong no expediency no legislation could ever make it right he aligned himself with the power that rules the world whether or not his public agreed with him and how he was vindicated if we wish to leave our children the richest of all heritages when we can no longer walk with them to guide and to counsel let us leave them the habit of doing the right as it is given them to see the right for then we leave them a great legacy of tranquillity honor and power end of chapter five